fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Hey everybody and welcome to big episode number 29 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. The Roto Street Journal's Fantasy Football Dive, of course, is the only podcast that's paving your way to championship after championship in your fantasy league, whether it be at work, at school, (laughs) at home, somewhere else that you probably should be paying attention to other important things, but you're not because you know, you're, you're neck deep in your fantasy season um, and your fantasy preseason and your fantasy draft. We're the lead block that's going to take you through the whole, the fantasy fullback dive. Uh, I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Rotor Street himself. We have actually already been on the clock for a little over an hour today. Um, we've had a couple big interviews that we just did. We had RJ Ochoa, uh, you know, who does all things Dallas Cowboys. We had Dan <laughs> Schneier, who does all things New York Giants. Uh, and we're actually going to release those uh, as separate pods, right? Yeah, absolutely. Standalone episodes to kind of vary the length here because obviously we know you love my soothing voice for an hour. You get sick of the truth after an hour. I get it. So this way we're going to cut it down to about 20, 25 minutes uh, to give you a little break. If you want to hear the guys but not have a full hour to get through, we'll do the fantasy fullback dive once a week, all our usual stock watches, all our usual featured segments, which nowadays are going to be making sure to revolve around the preseason action, breaking it down, who's rising, falling, penny stocks emerging from the preseason action, and breaking that game down. Plus, of course, you got your tear jerkers. we got a new Roto Vegas segment probably coming next week with our boy Keegs coming on. So that will be your fancy fullback dive once a week, and then we're going to just try to squeeze out interview after interview with beat writers on the fantasy beat um, as well as fantasy wolves that you've heard us do with you know Field Yates, whatever you want to call him, wolf or not. Um, but we're going to keep trying to get big name fantasy guests as well as separate um, separate episodes, standalone though. Fancy fullback to have once a week uh, here with that too. And I so, mean, yeah, I can stuff. tell you, and I, I mean, you know, I'm not blowing smoke here. The two interviews we just did were great. I mean, the guys Fantastic. were super knowledgeable, super forthright uh, and forthcoming uh, with their knowledge, and and you know, really. Switch seamlessly between actual football and fantasy uh, very happily. Um, our rapid fire rounds were great. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend both of these. And uh, I, I, we had had RJ before, and he was great. First time we've had Dan, he was great too. Um, check him out. Seriously, you won't be sorry. Uh, today we got the stock watch, of course. We got several, uh, but I'm going to keep the wolf to about a minute, minute and a half on each one, so we'll get down to it. Then we're going to hit our preseason market report. Risers, fallers, penny stocks emerging from week one of the preseason. Uh, We're not going to hit every headline. We'll read you all the headlines, but then the Wolf's going to pick one from each list, elaborate just a little bit. Then we're going to welcome Roto Joe back for tear jerkers. Round three-ish running backs is the headline that we're going to be going with there, which I like a lot. And plus, we got a mailbag. We got a couple questions in there. I do want to say before we get into the stock watch, a good buddy of mine, Johnny Goodtimes, texted me while we were in the midst of the Dan Schneier Giants interview, and he said, when is the Wolf releasing his massive fantasy football guide? Uh, a lot of people want to know. Wolf, give us the short answer to that question. Well, Johnny, you must not be paying attention because it is out. We must. Maybe we're not doing our best job advertising. No, no, no. You can. Sure you can. If it was anyone but him, you could take some of the responsibility. But you should definitely talk shit to him. 
I'll talk some shit then, Johnny, you idiot. Make sure you're paying attention next time. But no, you can. We've talked a lot about it on the pod, and and we'll post it a little bit more on the website and some advertisement and whatnot. You can go to rotostreetjournal.com/slash preseason kickoff. So it was originally going to be the training camp kickoff, and then we realized let's update this thing. We, you know, why give stale information? People want to know what's happening in preseason. So we led all the way up to the games and then launched it that Thursday night when all the games launched as well. So rotostreetjournal.com slash preseason kickoff. You got to sign up for your email. We're not even, I know last time I talked about how we might charge five bucks. We're not charging anything. We're actually letting you get into the Wolfpack for free, which eventually we might charge, you know, whatever a seasonal fee. But if you're one of the first thousand subscribers right now, you'll get that preseason training camp kickoff for free. All the, as Johnny probably is used to, uh, the, the bargains, the penny stocks, the values that we thought were the biggest to know, all the coaching changes stuff you can find at the rotostreetjournal.com slash coaches as well. So if you want to catch up on that, we got two guides out right now, actually, Johnny, um, to, to get you fully caught up on anything you might have missed this offseason and get your ready for the the next few crucial weeks ahead to the drafts so make sure you check that out again one more time rotostreetjournal.com slash preseason dash kickoff you will not be sorry all right we'll be right back with the stock watch for episode 29 right after this All right, we are back with the stock watch. Um, leading off the stock watch, Alshon Jeffrey, NFL.com's Ian Rappaport reports Alshon Jeffrey soldier, uh, shoulder surgery could begin the season on the reserve slash PUP list, which would cost him six games minimum. Uh, thoughts real quick. Obviously, that's a huge blow if he does actually land on there. I don't think he actually will. I believe he'll be ready for if not the beginning of the season, then maybe misses a game or two. I can't see him costing the entire first six uh, six weeks of the season. He was saying he, the goal was to be ready for week one, and it's already been about six months for this rotator cuff surgery. I think he'll be okay, but you do got to consider what could life be without Alshon Jeffrey for these first six, uh, six weeks. He's missed time in a lot of his professional seasons. Nine-game season in Chicago, 12-game, 10-game. So injuries are not new to Alshon Jeffrey, and this is obviously some of the big risks that comes with this guy, this huge talent otherwise, is often playing hampered and dinged up. What if this lingers on? If it's taking this long to get recovered, can you trust that he's going to be fully 100% ready to go, no time to build that rapport and trust? What this is to me is you got to consider Aguilar a little bit more. Maybe he inherits that number one receiver role in the missed time, and maybe the, he never lets it go. Going at pick 90 to 100 right now, huge value. And then even Michael Mike Wallace might become a streamable wide receiver in those early few weeks of the season. Maybe you draft Julian Edelman and you grit Mike Wallace in your last round. You can kind of throw him in there as long as Alshon Jeffrey's out. Uh, so just looking at those other pieces a little bit more, the target share will go up. You just got to see, is Alshon going to actually be healthy? Um, huge question mark throughout his career and a huge question mark now, clearly. All right. Jarek McKinnon. And this had to make you cringe maybe a little bit oh, when this happened. God. Uh, we got McKinnon's injury, who's been added. Jarek McKinnon, knee, received an MRI Sunday, which, thank God, and that's a quote, showed, <laughs> quote, just a muscle strain, end quote. However, with him and Matt Breida now sidelined indefinitely, the team has signed the ageless one, Alfred Morris. Thoughts, Wolf? 
Yeah, so the immediate reaction is I did drop McKinnon a little bit. At this point, it's getting a little sketchy. You don't want to overreact to news. This is a guy at one point had 12 on my big board, so I was all in. I still would really like to own McKinnon as an RB2. I could not go into the season at this point trusting him as my RB1. Uh, I would love to have a stable guy in front of him, or if he is my RB1, I'm going like Jordan Howard right after if I'm at the top of the draft. Let's say I had AB or something like that. I need a stable guy, and he could be a great RB2 with a lot of upside. Shanahan system still is so money. They're paying him a ton of cash to be their main workhorse guy. So there's still tons of upside here with McKinnon. I'm not going to freak out, but I am dropping him below guys like Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, AJ Green, maybe even Jordan Howard and Gronk now with higher floors at this point. But the Alfred Morris news also has to intrigue a little bit because he has some history with Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, as a rookie, 1,613 yards and 13 TDs when he blew up onto the scene. Then he's got 276 carries, 1,275 yards and 7 TDs the next year. So not a bad follow-up. And even last year, Alfred Morris ranked number 7 of 47 running backs in football outsiders rushing success rate. Uh, number 4 in pro football focuses yards after contact out of 53 rushes. So, I mean, this guy was still rumbling a bit. Didn't have a great opportunity there. But showed when he got the chance. Maybe he gets another chance here with the 49ers to be their early down guy. Never much of a pass catcher, so McKinnon would still have a role. But what if Morris does start inheriting more volume? you got to make sure you're tracking how he's used. And he obviously becomes a big penny stock at this point. All right, Saints backfield. Who will take over during Mark Ingram's absence? Uh, and the advocate's Nick Underhill, a friend of the podcast, Nick Underhill. Absolutely. Believe Saints running back Jonathan Williams is, quote, making a run up the depth chart, end quote. What do you think? And this is a guy who flashed for the Bills last preseason and yeah, has yeah. last given opportunities. We were kind of surprised to see him cut and then not really resurface anywhere, but here he is. And what I like about this Saints situation, we covered this actually way back in May when nobody was probably paying attention, is, is, is that the running backs coach for the Saints was actually his college coach over at Arkansas, Joel Thomas. And he said he has a knack for what we call our slash running game as far as puncturing and finding a hole. He catches the ball decent out of the backfield. Bigger body, can sustain some contact that's involved with the position. Intelligence to him, he's going to pick up this offense just fine, and he has been doing so. So, I mean, he's already gotten some praise from his college coach, and that slashing way, absorbing the contact, that's exactly what the Ingram role kind of is. And if he fills that role, this is a huge thing to monitor because Ingram, one, is going in round five, which is a complete steal. If you can weather those first four weeks and then get a, a complete RB1 injection into your lineup, had a touchdown already in the first preseason game, if you need a reminder of how good Ingram's going to be in this high-powered attack, you need to weather those first four weeks, though. And this could be a very easy, cheap way, last-round type of guy. If it's if it's this Jonathan Williams guy, they face the Browns and the Bucks the first weeks as well. Positive game flow where they're going to probably be running and bleeding out some clock. I really see a ton of sleeper value coming from whoever it is that Mark Ingram filling. They've said it's not going to be Kamara, and they're not just going to rocket up his workload. So somebody's going to be it. Seems like Williams is the guy right now. Make sure you're still tracking that, but he's got to be on your penny stock late-round radar at this point. All right, this is one of my favorite ones. There's a ton of quotes for me to read through here. Uh, <laughs> Bears updates, weaponry emerging, but will it matter? I'm going to read four quick headlines, and they all have quotes, and some of them are, are just fantastic. The Chicago <laughs> Tribune believes it is, quote, no longer accurate, end quote, to list Tariq Cohen as a running back, and that he, quote, requires a slash, end quote, for running back, receiver, etc. Meanwhile, the Chicago Tribune reports second round wide receiver Anthony Miller is locking down slot duties in camp. No quotes there. Boring. Matt Nagy has said, quote, Adam Shaheen, end quote. That's the quote. Adam Shaheen (laughs) will, quote, be a big part of this offense, end quote. Thank you, Matt. Uh, And then, but will any of it matter without Mitch Trubisky, who's remained, quote, 
uneven, end quote, throughout training camp. The Adam Shaheen quote, my favorite yet. We should get shirts that say Adam Shaheen with quotes. On the, uh, in quotes, on right? Yeah. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> Fantastic stuff there and well well read there. Um, but let's start with our guy, Tariq Cohen. Obviously the most important guy for a number of reasons for us. We've recommended him about a million times. And it's what we like to hear here is exactly what we're expecting, that Nagy's going to be utilizing this guy to his absolute fullest potential Pro football focus, top breakaway threat last year with over half his runs going for 15-plus yards and was completely underutilized by John Fox. Now that you're seeing Rich Campbell, their guys say, Cohen's lining up everywhere to maximize his speed, agility, and explosiveness with the ball in his hands. It's just a complete opposite 180 turn. He's still going and pick, you know, 80 to 90 in the expert consensus rankings, which is a bona fide steal. And if any of these weapons are going to be able to live with a bad Trubisky, I think it would be Cohen because it's a lot of dump-offs, a lot of passes a lot of Tyree kills route tree as well going deep and scoring those long ball touchdowns as well so Cohen just more praise to reaffirm what we love about him and then you got Anthony Miller one of our favorite penny stocks we talk about Johnny Miller's uh, Johnny Goodtime's guide Anthony Miller is in there as a, a favorite penny stock of mine a guy that Matt Nagy went out and scouted and said we love the way he runs his routes the way he bends them at the end and, re- and doesn't round them off very sharp in his cuts I look at him and I say I know how I'm going to use that when a coach says that and he has an actual role in mind, that's fantastic, especially a guy like Nagy, who I think is very bright and aggressive again. Um, but again, will any of this matter? Obviously, we got Shaheen had a big preseason game, 59 yards, three catches. I think that just more reflects Trey Burton does have a little thorn in his side here. Big touchdown upside from the 6-7 Shaheen. And again, Mitch Trubisky, uneven. That's the one question we've always had with the Bears. Is, is he going to be able to sustain these guys that we all love and that have tons of talent? Right now, it's a question mark. Two interceptions of practice, they're saying so far. But again, we don't really care so much if there's interceptions as much as it is. Can he still make those big bombs happen? So if he throws three touchdowns, two interceptions, I'll take that all day. Tons of upside still with Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Let's see this even out. I want to see some full preseason live action. All right, Saquon Barkley scare. Giants head coach Pat Shermer said Saquon Barkley has a, quote, mild strain, end quote. That one's not that fun to say, actually. Uh, What do you think? You freaked out by this? No, not at all. And actually, we had our, our boy on, um, Dan Schneier, who said, doesn't seem like a big deal. He, he was walking around fine after camp, went and talked to people. He, he unwrapped it pretty quickly. Not a big deal. They are going to be cautious. That's what Pat Shermer said. We're going to move him along, but be very cautious with it. I wouldn't be surprised to not see him the rest of the preseason. It is a little concerning because that's the thing I always loved about Barkley. He's so well built. I mean, those legs and the body issue. I was like, this guy's never going to break down. He's a literal horse. We're already seeing strains. Gives you a little caution, a little caution for concern but ultimately it's Barkley he's a horse he's gonna be fine um and I like the way that he, he did get hurt was he was running a deep wheel route down the sidelines and, and according to Dan Schneier beat Janoris Jenkins on that route which is a very hard thing to do their best cornerback so we're still seeing the talent even in this bad news I'm fine with keeping Barkley at number six overall I'm not overreacting all right John Brown continues to be the best wide receiver in Ravens training training camp he made three more highlight reel catches from Joe Flacco. The rapport between Brown and Flacco has been evident all summer, and Flacco credited Brown for his renewed success throwing deep during training camp. Uh, what do you think? We've been burned by Brown before. <laughs> We've been burned by him before, but this time you can get him at pick 200. You can get him in right. your last round. I think a lot of these things we're talking about, whether it's the Saints backup running back, we're in that penny stock range, and we're trying to give you these names to load up after round 12 or so when you don't recognize those names 
anymore. Now John Brown's a guy that you can really add to that list too. The report, obviously all those reports, Flacco's having far and away his best camp. He's completing deep pass after deep pass, and it sounds like John Brown's the main reason for that. He's always been great at tracking those balls. He's always had a huge explosive upside. Of course, our guy Mitch Renz compared to even Antonio Brown at some points for his smallest frame, but the way he gets deep. And it's obviously a, a complete hyperbolic assessment of him. He's not that good. He's not Antonio Brown, but the guy is a playmaker. He's very dangerous, and Flacco is a very strong-armed quarterback, so if those two are connecting, there's some real upside here, especially if you do like best ball where you're not having to worry about He's going to disappear plenty of weeks. He's going to burn you completely, but if you do those type of lineups where it calculates the highest scores and just throws him in, he's going to have plenty of 25, 30-point random two-touchdown type days. That's what John Brown's going to bring here. It's a kind of a flex play during your bye weeks that you don't want to ever go against and you kind of put him in there and pray for the best. Uh, you'd be scared to face him type of guy. I can see John Brown really carving that type of role out here. I don't buy he's the best wide receiver in camp. That's Crabtree. He's going to be the target hog. He's Crabtree. But I do like the upside Brown brings to the table. All right. We're going to be right back with our preseason market report covering week one right after this. All right, we are back. Preseason market report. Check out theroadstreetjournal.com. You're going to find all sorts of stuff there. Wolf, where can we find the market report? Tell everybody. I know we've told them again, but tell them again. So the, the market report is just a little bit different from the kickoff guide. Again, if you want that kickoff guide with all the bargains, penny stocks, all that, rotostreetjournal.com slash preseason dash kickoff. The market report is something we're going to send to everybody. That right. Those guides are now only going to the alpha wolf packs. So you got to make sure you're joining that, rotostreetjournal.com slash wolfpack dash membership if you want to join that. You can also sign up for that with the preseason kickoff page. Go to either of those pages. You're going to get it for free right now. We haven't hit the 1,000 mark. We're at about 400, though, so we're, we're getting there. So if you want to make it for free, make sure you hit either of those. But the market report is going to go to everybody who's already subscribed, kind of like the basic wolf package in a way where we organize all our stock the watches. Right, yeah, right. Basic wolf. Basic wolf. Beta wolf. Uh, yeah, uh, but we're going to go uh, with with a market report where we email you out all the risers, fallers, and penny stocks that emerged throughout a week um, for the rest of the preseason, rest of penny stocks. And I'll have an article recapping all this, too, on the site, uh, preseason risers and fallers. So just visit rotostreetjournal.com or go to rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch, and you'll find the, the way to get this market report delivered to your inbox if you're not doing it already. Uh, also, I mean, that's another great uh, t-shirt idea basic wolf basic <laughs> wolf yeah <laughs> Great. we're gonna have so much merchandise someday i know i need off. to start keeping right. just a uh just like a you know file of t-shirt ideas anyway so, uh yeah. i'm gonna read you guys a bunch of risers headlines fallers a couple of fallers headlines a couple of penny stock headlines we don't have time to do them all wolf's gonna do like one or two uh from each category at most mm-hmm. and then we're gonna get roto joe on uh to do tear jerkers because i know everybody wants to know the uh Round three-ish running backs. I do. I'm dying for it. Anyway, here's some headlines. Risers. Marshawn Lynch looking faster than ever. Primed for beast mode season. Okay. Uh, Chris Carson's value surges. Stephon Diggs and Kirk Cousins flash dangerous rapport. Wide receiver one upside. Very real. Christian McCaffrey flashes goal line chops. Workhorse role suggested. Man, I wish my buddy Willie was on here to go head-to-head with you on this one. Uh, <laughs> Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, Andy Dalton rising as Bengals clicking under Bill Lazor in year two. Kelvin Benjamin flashes target hog upside, rising fast. 
Uh, I hope we talk about that one. Royce Freeman scores a touchdown. Most impressive Denver running back in preseason opener. That's definitely true. Wolf, give me one of these we can talk about. Well, you wanted to talk about Kelvin, and I'll give you just a quick little nibbit on a, a few of these things. But let's start with Benjamin because we don't talk about him at all on this podcast. We just talk about him a ton because of the tub club. But now we, we actually have some positive things to say about him. He went four for 59 in a TD in under a quarter of play. Um, but what was more impressive than those final stats, which are impressive in themselves, is just the way they were accumulated. It was unbelievable. It started out with a completion to Andre Holmes' 10-yarder, and then they went to Benjamin three straight times. Like He was the absolute engine of this offense. Peterman himself looked good, too, going 7 for 7, 65 yards and a TD. And Benjamin accounted for by far the vast majority of that. So after that 10-yard completion, he goes for 31 yards uh, on three straight plays, including including a 14-yard pickup on third down. So he's kind of that targeted third down guy, that rapport, that chemistry. And then a, a couple dink and dunks later to the running backs and Charles Clay, three, four yards here and there. He goes right back to his man, Benjamin, a gorgeous 28-yard bomb right into the bread basket, hit him right in stride uh, to rack up those final stats. So again, just a dominant target hog performance. He was clearly the guy that was uh, Peterman was going for. Of course, does this matter if Peterman's not the main quarterback? I'm not sure. Uh, we don't know what he's going to look like with Josh Allen. We haven't seen that chemistry yet but it could be a big deal so who knows there um but ultimately the rapport is there and what i really liked was the bills actually looked pretty i don't want to say explosive on offense but they were throwing the ball deep quite often i mean allen wrote the ball 60 yards down the field on a couple different of occasions peterman you know five of his his seven throws went over 10 yards so they they weren't just this conservative horrible godforsaken hell offense that we've been expecting we saw some signs of life and we saw benjamin as kind of the engine for that so i, I was really excited about what i saw there uh the other one i did want to make sure to touch upon well, hold on before Bengals. you touch on one more okay. i mean like can we talk about kelvin benjamin and cam newton yeah. like uh going talking to each other in the pregame uh, i mean yeah, that, no, no that, shit. that's that, what that's what i want to talk about uh, i know your buddy will is uh, Right. No, those those two looked ready to, to throw down. I would take my money on Ca- uh, Cam, I would say. Oh, right, yeah. Sure. Cam. Yeah. Benjamin looks scared to me. He yeah. looks scared to me. CJ was all about Kelvin Benjamin and Cam's being a clown. I liked your buddy's comment. Uh, oh, did he have to make some balloon animals? Did he have juggling going on the sideline? <laughs> yeah, Seems like was, he was pretty heated about that. He wears, Cam, he wears a Cam Newton jersey at least once or twice a week. Anyway, yeah. all right, move on to the next one. Well, so the, we got to talk about Bill Lazor and the Bengals' offense, which looks completely different in year two. I know we've talked about Lazor taking over last year, but he never seemed to find his groove. Uh, plus, the offensive line was god-awful, but that's been retooled, and I didn't know that it was going to actually make a huge impact, and they looked so much better. Andy, uh, Andy Dalton was under far less pressure. He actually went six for eight, 103 yards and two TDs in one quarter, tossed an interception that wasn't his fault. The receiver kind of fell down on the play, so we got 116 quarterback ranking for Andy Dalton. And I really think I misjudged this offense. I, obviously, it's a preseason game. You don't want to re- overreact to one quarter. But the fact that they just went down and drove down two times in a row spoke a lot to them. And, and what I loved to see was Joe Mixon, in, in particular, split out wide, used as a wide receiver, catches a screen, sheds one tackle with a nice stiff arm, and then a beautiful spin move. It was an unbelievable highlight play. If you haven't seen it yet, make sure you cue that one up. Um, and runs in for the the score. I just love the creative usage there, something that didn't really happen at all last year, something that normally would have gone to Gio Bernard. They're using Mixon in that role. So if he's going to be a three-down horse in an offense that I thought was going to suck but now maybe has some signs of life here, A.J. Green, too, put on a show, some beautiful routes, racked up 48 yards on two catches, uh, was galloping down the field on a catch and run. So he looks really in 
midseason form year. Nice back shoulder catch as well for the the second reception. So, I mean, I just think this offense, I really undervalued, undersold. I want to see it again. Obviously, it's preseason, just a one quarter of action. You can't send them all flying up the board, but both A.J. Green and especially Joe Mixon got healthy bumps after this preseason. All right, let's talk fallers real quick. We only got a couple of those. Maybe give us one to elaborate on. Rashad Penny sinking deeper into a committee hole. Committee hole we should put in the glossary. I like that. <laughs> That's a good term, actually. Yeah, I love that. Committee pit, maybe. Yeah, committee uh, pit. <laughs> <laughs> into the pit. <laughs> hey, remember we talked about like uh, that Dante's Inferno picture with like all the layers of hell or whatever? Yeah, like that. One, yeah. of the, one of the layers should be a big committee hole. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> awful. Awful. <laughs> there should be like uh, D'Angelo Williams and... Uh, who was the other guy? Stewart. Jonathan, Jonathan Stewart, Stewart yeah. should just be in there like uh, sharing carries for all eternity. Anyway, <laughs> uh, while Ronald Jones tumbles in his debut, uh, Nick Chubb, firmly behind Carlos Hyde, looks sluggish in an NFL debut. I want to uh, just, I feel like I have to mention that guy that called me out on YouTube and said I was a, a ass white moron because I wasn't all in on Nick Chubb. Well, who's the ass white moron now, buddy? Yeah, he, he looked pretty damn shitty. Um, and out of all these three to talk about, again, rookie running backs that you're hoping start separating themselves so we can kind of lump these together, really none of them looked good at all. Rashad Penny, seven car- eight carries for 16 yards, whereas Carson got the start, looked much better over the course with four carries for 26 yards, so it looked much better on his work, was the guy they went to in a fourth-and-one situation. Um, and just, again, everything they've been saying was actually on the field there with Carson being the guy. So Rashad Penny, he's the one that's the highest-profile name. He's the one getting drafted alongside Jay Ajayi, Alex Collins, that kind of tier. He doesn't belong anywhere near them. I have about 40 spots lower than them especially as these developments continue to just get worse and worse as he sinks deeper into this pit uh committee exactly and it's the same situation for ronald jones getting behind starting behind barber who played 13 out of 14 snaps with the first team offense barber did and the only snap he didn't play ronald jones comes in and he drops a ball on third and, and long which would have set up a nice field goal opportunity and said they had to punt so when his limited work came he didn't show up whereas barber on the other hand got a touchdown looked good and, and just his serviceable self after the game dick cutter said this is this is my guy uh this is the starter Peyton barber so both of those guys sinking into the committee holes same with chubb hyde played only a couple snaps before getting put on ice which you know doesn't you don't want to read too much into but Chubb was in their third fourth quarter gained only 15 yards on 11 carries there were some stats about pro football focus saying he actually had 26 yards after contact despite only gaining 15 yards so I mean the guy was getting destroyed the line was not helping him out but ultimately the fact that they took Kide out so early and let Chubb kind of run and didn't gain any type of presence tells me Kide is a, a good amount ahead of him so both all three of those rookie running backs just sinking deeper into that committee pit and and I'm not a fan of any of them. All right, let's talk penny stocks real quick. Jeremy Hill drips in penny stock upside as a potential touchdown monster. David Njoku flashes enormous t- touchdown upside in his preseason debut. And Peyton Barber reaffirms his insane penny stock value. I actually just saw an article like just at the beginning uh, from Dirk Cutter, I think, saying that Barber is their starting running back. Exactly. And then we just talked about, again, the 
Ronald Jones sinking into that pitch. So this is a guy that goes Barber at 185 right now, ADP, pretty much un, undrafted, starting running back that's looking good and looked good all last year too. He's better than your standard plotter no matter what other people say. Barber's getting the real shot, and I think a starting running back anyways should never go that low. But Jeremy Hill's the one I really want to talk about um, because th- this guy looked great. He looked slimmed down, 11 carries, 51 yards, and a TD, and – Right now, we got Burkhead a little bit dinged up. Sony Michelle, obviously, uh, nursing that knee injury and potentially should be ready for week one, they're saying, but could linger. Maybe that goal line role gets opened up where Jeremy Hill historically has been fantastic. Uh, meanwhile, to back that up, too, um, I'm just finding the stat right here 25 of uh, his 31 career rushing touchdowns have come from nine yards or closer, and 22 have come from within four yards or closer, Jeremy Hill. So he's been a goal line maven, even dating back to his Cincy days when he sucked and he was a bust. He was still scoring touchdowns at a strong pace. He looks in much better shape than he did those last couple years with Cincinnati. Uh, So I love what I saw from him, and I hated what I saw from Gillisley, who went for 43 yards on 14 sluggish carries, was definitely outplayed. And it was said that those two were kind of battling for that roster spot. Hill definitely gets gets the win in that column, this one. And now it's not just a win to have the roster spot. It seems like it could be a win to be really involved, particularly at that stripe where we've seen the Patriots. No other team other than the Saints over the last three years have had more carries at the five-yard line than the Patriots. LeGarrette Blunt fell into 18 touchdowns. Maybe Hill gets that role going undrafted right now, 286 ADP. Has to be on your radar, especially after this performance. All right, we're going to end with last, but certainly not least, maybe the oh, biggest, God. maybe the they biggest story of the week. Uh, yeah, we probably should have led with this one. We probably should have. Darius Geis tears his ACL. Season done before it begins. I'm going to give you a minute to talk about this, Wolf. Maybe uh, even a minute, minute and a half right. if you're like crying. I I do feel like crying. I might cry a little bit. It, it, this was horrible. You saw it, each week leading up to this one, we just kept talking about how he's gaining more and more steam um, and, and just looking better and better and better, getting more receiving work, getting the mental aspects of the down, got all the way up to number 23 overall, my big board up to a second rounder. And now it, it, more so than just the fantasy implications, obviously just for the guy you feel for him, a rookie that just was looking to make a huge impact on his team. And be a fantastic player in the NFL. On the play, he got hurt. You just saw what we were expecting to see all year. Had a nice cutback when the play side was kind of congested. Rips up, stiff arms a guy. You know, spins and plows through another one. Just And this was against the Patriots defense. So I saw the whole thing happening. And I was like, oh my god, this guy is a complete monster. So you saw everything that you were hoping to see. And then that play just gets capped off with a torn ACL after thinking it was only going to be an MCL sprain too, just kind of teasing us. It's awful. And what do you make out of it at this point? Uh, we go back to the Samaje Pirine and Rob Kelly experience, which we all know is disgusting, fat, slow, whatever adjective you want to use. Throw it out there. It's not good. Normally, I'd say, oh, yeah, Chris Thompson gets a nice bump. I love him. He's an explosive talent. And last year in the situation when he was kind of the main guy was the RB10 and even standard leagues over this, the games he played. But at this point, he said he's not going to be fully healthy till November. We can't just think he's going to come in and, and get his heavy workload because of that. So we're looking at Pirine. We're looking at Kelly. Neither one is intriguing to me at all. Maybe Bibbs or Byron Marshall. Gets it, but man, this is just a heartbreak. At the end of the day, I don't see a ton of value merging. It becomes the air show, a lot more passing attempts coming out of there, and we all just feel disgusted and, and sick that Geis's season's raw before it could even begin. Yeah, no argument. I feel bad about it myself. You almost had me talked into targeting this guy, and on principle, I pretty much won't draft anyone from Washington. I hate him so much, and I mean, I yeah. was I was close. I was close, but uh, yeah, it was awful. 
Uh, abolish preseason. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we'll be right back after this with Tear Jerkers with Roto Joe. All right, we are back with Roto Joe, not to be confused with Sound Guy Joe, but Roto Joe is back. Uh, recurring segment, Tear Jerkers. Um, and, you know, last time we hit, you know, what did we hit? Was it was it round two? Round two. Round two wide receivers. This is round three-ish running backs, and I'm really excited about this. We got five guys. These guys are going to shuffle around. You know, all the smart minds agree you should put your guys in tears, but the smarter minds agree once they're in tiers, you actually got to rank them. You can't just be like, yeah, these guys are in a tier. You got to, you know, it comes up and four of the guys are on the board. You actually got to pick one. So newsflash, folks, you actually got to rank these things. Um, the candidates, Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, Jay Ajay, Alex Collins, and Derek Henry. By the way, have you guys seen that picture of Derek Henry next to Deion Lewis? Amazing. <laughs> Going around. Good God. It's like Andre the Giant or something standing next to like my kid. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, you know, you want to start us off, Joe, who do you have at the top of this, uh, at this round three ish running back group? I think it's pretty clear that McCaffrey belongs at the top of this group here. Um, I mean, I know Wolf was talking about, you know, we got to get this guy in the tier. I think he's a tier above. Um, I know you're not a fan of CJ Anderson coming over and taking some carries. Um, you think that kind of limits his upside, which I agree it can, but I mean, he was a, Running back 10 overall in PPR leagues already last year. Let me ask you, do you think he'll probably get more touches than last year, Wolf? I think he should get probably more, especially after this last preseason game. I'm reevaluating just a little bit because he got the goal line carry. C.J. Anderson was nowhere to be heard of. Um, What I'm more nervous about, though, is can he actually get a league-high 113 targets yet again this year? Especially now you got Greg Olson coming back healthy. you got D. DJ Moore now in the, the mix, and he looked like a catch-and-run beast in the preseason game. So maybe he gets a little bit more rushing work now, even if C.J. Anderson, in my opinion, is a much better version of Jonathan Stewart. The fact that he wasn't playing, he was playing deep into the fourth quarter and didn't get the goal line touch early on tells me maybe I shouldn't be as worried about C.J. Anderson, but I can't pretend that I'm not worried about these other targets. There is a stat out there about with um, Greg Olson in the lineup. Uh, that Christian McCaffrey's PPR numbers go from 5.9 receptions, 8.1 targets, and .44 receiving touchdowns a game, 43.8 receiving yards to go with that, 16.1 PPR points. What it really boils down to, the RB11 without Olsen, as compared to 3.9 receptions, 5.7 targets, a a significant drop there, .14 receiving touchdowns, huge drop in the receiving output uh, in the red zone, and 36.7 receiving yards. So that goes down to 12.2 PPR, which is the RB20 with Olsen in the lineup. Plus now, again, DJ Moore, all those other guys. I'm more worried about the receiving volume. I I think it will remain about the same. I mean, we know how much Norv Turner loves to pepper his backs. Um, even if he's not an every down back and CJ does get in there, I still think um, McCaffrey's in the top of this list. I think he's really neck and neck with um, your boy out in uh, San Francisco over there. Um, McKinnon. McKinnon. I blanked on his name for half a second. Yeah, I, I think those two backs are very comparable. 
the only difference is we've we've seen uh, McCaffrey do it for a season. Interesting, interesting. I would say I disagree that McCaffrey belongs in that next year. I actually do have one of these running backs, a solid tier above with McKinnon, Freeman, and it's as of this last Thursday. Um, and that's that's Joe Mixon. I loved we just kind of talked about this in our pre pre uh, market report risers. I like that the Bengals offense was completely dominant. Two touchdowns in one quarter, 103 yards from Andy Dalton going six for eight. Just Bill Lazor being very creative, particularly with Mixon, splitting him out wide and using him as a as a receiver. He sends five guys down the field, drums it off to Mixon, and he makes a great spin move, makes two people miss for the 24 yard score. I love the usage I'm seeing there. I think it could be a true work season for Mixon and I think his lateral agility his ability to make people miss we didn't get to see it much last year because he never was getting out in space behind that bad offensive line they beefed it up a little bit they're using him more creatively to get him in space we're going to see a lot more of those type of plays I think his lateral agility is on par with even like the Le'Veon Bells type of guys uh, so he belongs in the tier atop this tier for me not even in round three but up in the, the early uh, the late second round he's my kind of Christian McCaffrey at the top here do you have McCaffrey second on your list Wolf no, he's down at he's fourth. Who's out of your five. second guy? Jay Ajayi is my second okay, guy. Okay, so I, mix you know, in Ajayi. Uh, defend your Ajayi choice. He's the offensive line. You got to look at that. Uh, the best offense in the league last year outside of the Rams, the best offensive line in the league. And Carson Wentz coming off an injury. Maybe they want to put a little more uh, shoulders on, more work on the shoulders of the running game. J.J. more acclimated, but also on the last year of his contract, they've kind of hinted that maybe we ride the wheels off this guy, even though it is a committee history with Doug Peterson. Maybe they decide we got one year, let's get as much as we can out of him. And when you got that good of an offensive line, they ran the most traps in the league last year, which I love for Ajayi. He's great with blockers in front, one of the best guys in terms of open field vision. Doesn't have that breakaway speed, but is able to make that big play happen because he finds the space in the open field when he has those blockers. And it's going to happen a lot this year, especially with LeGarrette Blunt removed that early down roll on lock again. Uh, I love Ajayi's situation. I think he's completely undervalued this year. Joe, give me, you got McCaffrey first. Give us your second and third guys. So my second guy is Mixon. Uh, I, you compared him to Le'Veon Bell. A lot of people did as he came out of uh, college about a year and a half ago. Um, he's really talented. You actually, one preseason game kind of completely flipped your opinion on him there in that Cincinnati offense, Wolf. Um, I, hope it's not over I know. I mean, what? how can you just be going all in on the Bengals? It's so weird. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Yeah, uh, I like Mixon a lot. I think he's a good talent. He's a bit over underwhelming last year. But he was a rookie, and the schematic situation Cincinnati was in last year was just a nightmare. Um, so I agree with you there. I like Mixon a lot. Um, my third, though, and the last three in this tier are all really close for me, kind of a toss-up. But where you seem to have a spot, soft spot for Jai, I have a soft spot for Derrick Henry. I mean, the man is yeah. just a beast. I've been waiting for this guy to get an opportunity. Um Deion Lewis does not concern me as much as it will some others. I mean, he, I'm going to go and say he'll never have a year like he did last year. Last year was Lewis's career year, and it's it, it's all going to fall down from here. I'm not saying he's going to be no factor, but I don't think he's as big of a deterrence as some people are making him out to be. All right, so we got McCaffrey, Mixon, Henry from Joe. Wolf, give me your third and fourth guys. 
I'm going Alex Collins at number three here, and he was at the bottom of this list last week, but I've seen new reports that Kenneth Dixon's on the roster bubble after his next injury, I think a hamstring at this point. I mean, the guy's never on the field. That was really the only roadblock, I thought, between Alex Collins and just that high-end RB2 value that we saw all last year. I mean, this is a guy that got the highest rushing grades by Pro Football Focus um, as a pure running back. And is now playing again in Greg Roman's run-obsessed scheme. Thrived in it last year. And if we get Joe Flacco, again, having far and away his best camp, this offense now with John Brown, Michael Crafty, some real weapons on the outside for the first time in a while, the overall offense gets a little bit better. And Collins maintains that high-end rushing ability and this very run-centric scheme. This is a stat that blew my mind. The Ravens, I think, Joe, you actually put me onto this one. The Ravens actually scored the ninth most points in the league last year, which blows my mind. I would have had no idea. It might be even more explosive, right? Isn't that crazy? I would have guessed like 25th. Yeah, me too. Um, So they already were a competent offense apparently last year, and I think they're only getting better, and Collins is only going to get better in that. I I love what I saw from him. I have a special soft pot in my heart too because he used my waiver wire pickup last year that kind of saved a few teams. Um, So you you have the emotional ties there too. He's the third on this list, and then McCaffrey is the the fourth. Joe's clear, you know, a tier above, but in my opinion, those – cases I said against him the target share going down potentially the rushing work going down as well with CJ Anderson I don't really love McCaffrey situation I especially don't love the price I'm seeing at 18th overall right now I think is a complete force and an overreach on McCaffrey all right Joe round out your list give me your number four give me your number five all right so number four I have Alex Collins um, he's actually rising for me it's kind of hard to figure out exactly why this guy is good and it, it's got to just be vision he knows where to go he knows where to hit the holes not elite speed not elite strength but he just plays running back the right way and it wasn't as pathetic as the rhetoric would suggest last year um and then my last guy i have on here is ajayi um the bone on bone knee that just sits in the back of my head all you know <laughs> since he's been drafted since it caused him to fall um I think the Eagles are still going to run somewhat of a committee. I think Ajayi will be the clear lead now that Blunt is gone. But I don't think Clement is going to disappear. Um, I think he'll actually get more work than he did last year in Sproles as well. Henry, Collins, and Ajayi are the last three on here for me, but they're all really close. Wolf, uh, round out your list. That would put Henry at the bottom. And Again, I hate to say that. Oh, it hurts me to hear you say that, Wolf. How, mu- how much I love the guy as a pure beastly runner, a steamroller, Von Miller's combine, uh, and he's thrived every time he's gotten that opportunity. It's more about is he going to get that opportunity again this year with Deion Lewis coming in. I know he's a smaller guy and has that high-end injury history, so if he gets hurt, Henry's going to be a complete, utter monster. So you got that upside. You got that huge ceiling. I think his ceiling might be as high as anybody on this list. But I think the floor is pretty low because Matt LaFleur is all about merging the running and passing games here. And Henry's a decent receiver, underrated in a a little bit of ways. But if you got Deion Lewis, who's extremely good as a receiver, I mean, led the league in receptions per game a couple years ago with the Patriots out of the running back position, you're going to use him more often. So I'm nervous that Lewis kind of inherits most of the total yardage, even if Henry is a touchdown beast and gets a lot of scores, I could see him trailing Lewis in total yardage 
unless there is an injury. But ultimately, I love the line there. I like the situation. All these guys are very close, and I'd be happy to have any of them on my team. If I start seeing – there's a couple training camp reports that Henry's been splitting out wide and doing things creatively. If I see that on the actual field, he was pulled on all third downs in the early preseason game and, and no, no receiving usage at all. If I start seeing that a little bit more, I might alternate my tune here. But that, at this point, locks him down in the, the basement for me. All right, quick, all right. quick recap. Wolf going Joe Mixon, Jay Ajayi, Alex Collins, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Roto Joe, and correct me if I get this wrong, uh, going McCaffrey, Mixon, Derrick Henry, Alex Collins, Jay Ajayi. So uh, different, differing opinions on this list, guys. I like This is why I like tearjerkers. Oh, um, yeah. And let me, um, let me ask a quick question. Wolf, if, if Deion Lewis had signed with Philadelphia instead of Tennessee, would Henry be higher on this list for you? Oh, 100%. Henry, before Lewis or anybody else landed there, was my 12th overall player. I, I had him first rounder, going monstrous numbers. You know, Matt LaFleur loved that workhorse with Gurley last year, but he's also used committees a lot in his history, too. And, and now he's clearly going to be using that. It's true. Well, it's ask- true. Joe, when, De- when DeMarco Murray uh, left, there was like this two day span where the Wolf was just like, you know, the equivalent of just, I mean, he was just in a state of permanent <laughs> ecstasy for like 40, had, for like 48 hours. We, we all were, to right? Costco to pick up paper towels in bulk because I just didn't have enough cleanup materials. It was unbelievable the, the way Derek <laughs> Henry was making me feel. It was great. Yeah. But right. no, it really blew for me that, that Lewis had to go there and kind of muck up and make a committee out of it. All right. Okay. Roto Joe, thanks for your time. Another great episode of Tear Jerkers, round three-ish running backs. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We'll see you later. I appreciate it, fellas. Always a pleasure, Jeff. We are back. Thanks again to Roto Joe. Another great episode of Tear Jerkers. I'm loving these recurring segments. Uh, we're going to get into the mailbag real quick. I've heard a rumor that Mad Money Mike is going to be making his triumphant return to the podcast um, and is going to be our first uh, you know, guy that we're featuring in the mailbag. So fire away, Wolf. First voicemail of 2018. No idea what this one's about either, so let's find out. Hello, good people of Fancy Fullback Dive. I'm back. It's Mad Money Mike getting my mock drafts in, preparing for the all-important draft for the new season. Uh, Shout-out to my boy Justify, the thoroughbred, getting me the number one overall pick this year in my league. Obviously, I'm taking Gurley number one, as Wolf Wolf has been telling me to all year. My question is for you guys, who do I take with that second and third round pick, that turn? Uh, do I go wide receiver, wide receiver with the likes of uh, Hilton, Thielen, Hill? Um, I mean, I, I expect Allen to go Robinson to be off the board, but maybe even him as well. Do I go one running back, one wide receiver with the likes of uh, Jordan Howard, Geis, or Devonta Freeman? Or do I mix it up and go stud tight ends such as Gronk and a wide receiver? Thanks, boys, and still eagerly awaiting the world premiere of Seamus' documentary. <laughs> First of all, that's that's a great question because I actually picked from that slot in the RSJ mock draft, and I've had some time to reflect on it. Um, I took Gurley number one, and then when it came time for me to go, I took Tyreek Hill, Devontae Freeman. I don't. I I wish if I had it to do over again, and that's why it's a mock draft. So who the hell cares? I probably don't take Hill in that spot. 
I, I, I've heard differing opinions on Freeman, but ultimately the reason that I picked Freeman there is I already had Gurley, uh, you know, great running back. I'm building my stable. Freeman's floor is high. He's a mm-hmm. high floor guy. And so I felt confident with that. I think if I had it to do over again, I would probably go with Freeman again. Uh, and then I would probably go, I mean, if Hilton's there, I might go Hilton. Uh, and if Gronk's there, I might go Gronk. But I don't know if Gronk would be there at that stage. I would have a hard time going running back, running back, tight end, just because your receivers would look pretty horrendous at that point. But I love going running back, running back. Now, I love that you did Freeman and Gurley because it afforded you that Mark Ingram kind of. You were able to go Ingram in round five because you already had two stable horses. It's able to capitalize on that great value. So I like the idea of getting a second running back there. If it's Jordan Howard, you guys have probably heard at this point how often I've raved about him and his humongous touchdown upside now. He's already crushed it two years in a row in a horrible offense. Why would he suddenly go backwards and not be you know, a quality talent in an even better offense that's going to hopefully score a lot more than it has in the past? I think he would be a fantastic pick if he falls to you at the tail end of round two. Jarek McKinnon, our boy. I know there's a lot of question marks going on about him right now, but he could be a great pick. Freeman, like you said, even Joe Mixon at this point could make sense in getting that RB stable secured. And then a guy that I like, I used to be Hill. I thought that was a solid pick there when you first made it. Yeah, but at this point, back the, on it. The wide receiver that's really worked his way into there for me is Stefan Diggs. I, I We've already talked about how we love him over Adam Thielen and why we think this Vikings offense is set to explode with Cousins. Man, we already saw that, that first week of the preseason. Four for four, 42 yards and a TD from Cousins. Three of those going to Stefan Diggs, including a beautiful 28-yard catch. Cousins just dropped it right over the defender's shoulder. Diggs stretches out after running this beautiful double move. Um, for a, a, It's just one of those trust-timing throws that's already there in place. Cousins, after the game, was raving about Diggs, saying, you know, that's a guy that I trust to just throw up to in the contested situation, make plays for me, and he made me look smart tonight, and I'm just going to keep doing that so it's like he's the true target hog a very talented guy better quarterback better play caller I think everything's just kind of aligning for a massive seasons from Diggs as long as he stays healthy so I say go running back running back Stefan Diggs and you're gonna feel really good about your team mad money tough to argue with um all right second and last mailbag question this is from Mike C not to be confused with mad money Mike not the same guy um basically he says it seems to me that Jared Goff has a huge amount of upside this year what are you guys' thoughts on him? And then he kind of, as an offshoot of that, says like, you know, you got Deshaun Watson coming off an injury, which seems like a real red flag to him, but is ranked really, really high, uh, you know, for the value based on ability draft position. Does someone like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Goff make more sense to draft? Um, I can say, you know, just quickly on that. Yeah, we think generally waiting on a quarterback <laughs> makes way, way, way more sense to draft than Deshaun Watson. He's the Wolf's number one guy. But neither one of us is going to own him in any leagues. He's nope. going to, he's going to go too soon. Um, I'm I'm interested in the first part of the question. What do you think of Jared Goff? I think he does have some upside. I mean, now he's got Brandon Cooks added to his stable and was already a, a very serviceable QB. You know, low end one, high end two guy last year with a very high floor each week. Never really busted for you. Didn't have a too many humongous games, and I think that is going to still kind of be the case. It is. Todd Gurley's offense and then Jared Goff in my opinion he's still going to be the engine uh, but ultimately when such an explosive attack the most points in the league last year and you add a weapon like Cooks I don't see why this offense would suddenly take a step back McVay's a creative guy and they're already talking about how much more innovative he's being in year two so yes I do think Goff 
comes with some fair upside, but he's my QB 14. I think there's a lot of other guys I'd rather have. I think Pat Mahomes, who goes in the same range, you guys all know my case for him. I think he has a bigger ceiling if you're looking for upside. I think Phillip Rivers, Stafford have higher floors than Goff. I like Andrew Luck at this point a little bit more than Goff. Now he's out there throwing Frank Reich's no-huddle, high-tempo attack uh, behind the best line of his career. So as much as Goff could bring to the table, I think this answer almost— answers your your second part of the question is listen to all these guys that's 15 guys i've already talked about that i like that i'd be very happy having as my quarterback one so yes i'm absolutely waiting on quarterback and i think the value is there on waiting and i do think there's some guys i would put ahead of golf and especially if i'm reaching for a ceiling he's more of the floor play in my opinion and mahomes or roethlisberger would be more of the ceiling plays all right, Mike and Mike, thanks for your questions. Keep them coming, everybody. We definitely want questions, whether you're going to submit them audio, video, uh, email, message, text, whatever. We'll get to pigeon. them. Yeah. yeah, pigeon. Carry it. Raven. Uh, <laughs> let us know. All right, we'll be right back to wrap things up right after this. We are back. We're going to wrap up episode 29. That was a great episode, man. This is like a blur. Hopefully, we're going to get this thing out. We're going to get a couple good interviews out as well. Um, and, and you guys are going to have a lot of Roto Street Journal Fantasy Fullback Dive to listen to this week. Wolf, hit us with the social media. Absolutely. RotoStreetJournal.com is our homepage. You can check out all our guides and what all this exciting stuff we got going on. RotoStreetJournal.com slash preseason dash kickoff. If you want the latest one, make sure you sign up for the Wolf Pack. And then on the social media front, Facebook, we're debuting this week. Probably at the time of this recording, the Daily Draft Wizards coming this week. And uh, hopefully the Roto Street Rundown as well. So two new shows coming on Facebook. Roto Street Journal to follow us there. Roto Street Journal on Instagram, which has been blowing up lately. Tons of great interaction. Make sure you're following us there. If you liked what you heard, most importantly, please subscribe, review us. Please give us the whatever you think is fair. Any reviews are, are better than no reviews. We'd love to hear from you how we're doing. Um, and then you can find me at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter and Snapchat, Roto ST Journal on Twitter and Snapchat as well. And thanks for tuning in, guys. We hope to make you a longtime listener. My name is Nat the Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. See you guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second down, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.